Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of pancreatic cancer from the oncology section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 69-year-old man presents to the emergency department with generalized fatigue and abdominal pain. He has had a 20-pound weight loss over the course of three months. He has a past medical history of alcohol use disorder and long-standing diabetes. He also has been smoking one pack of cigarettes for the past 50 years. Physical examination is notable for scleral icterus and abdominal tenderness to palpation in the epigastric region. CT abdomen with and without contrast demonstrates a mass at the head of the pancreas. This is a case of pancreatic cancer. Let's now get into the topic. Let's start with an introduction about this topic. In terms of an overview, Pancreatic cancer is a malignancy affecting the pancreas. There are two types of pancreatic cancers, adenocarcinoma and neuroendocrine type. Note that more than 90% of pancreatic cancers are adenocarcinoma. They arise from the pancreatic duct, and most of these tumors arise in the head of the pancreas, approximately 75% of them. With respect to the epidemiology and incidence, it is the fourth leading cause of cancer in the United States. With respect to demographics, it occurs in people greater than 60 years of age. Risk factors include smoking, heavy alcohol consumption, obesity, chronic pancreatitis, and long-standing diabetes. With respect to the etiology of pancreatic cancer, it likely occurs from accumulation of various genetic mutations, including the KRAS2 and the CDKN2A. In terms of the pathogenesis, pancreatic adenocarcinoma begins in the pancreatic ductal epithelium. Premalignant lesions such as pancreatic intraepithelial neoplasia then progress to malignant lesions secondary to accumulation of genetic mutations. With respect to the prognosis, the prognosis is very poor. Let's now discuss the clinical presentation including symptoms and physical exam findings of pancreatic cancer. Symptoms include generalized fatigue, abdominal pain, and sequela of biliary obstruction and tumors arising from the pancreatic head, for example jaundice and dark urine. Physical exam findings would include unexplained weight loss, hepatomegaly, and the Corvazier sign, which is palpable gallbladder in pancreatic cancers involving the head of the pancreas. Let's now discuss the diagnostic imaging modalities used to diagnose pancreatic cancer. Imaging modalities include abdominal ultrasound, abdominal CT scan, endoscopic retrograde cholangiopancreatography, or ERCP, and endoscopic ultrasonography. Abdominal ultrasound is indicated as initial imaging study in patients who present with jaundice. It has a high sensitivity, greater than 95%, in detecting a pancreatic mass. An abdominal CT scan is indicated as initial imaging study in patients who present with abdominal pain and weight loss but without jaundice. It confirms the presence of a pancreatic mass if it is found in the abdominal ultrasound. An ERCP is indicated and performed if abdominal ultrasound and abdominal CT scan do not demonstrate an obvious cause of biliary obstruction. It can obtain a tissue diagnosis for small tumors that cannot be appreciated on the aforementioned modalities. And finally, endoscopic ultrasonography is indicated and can be used to obtain a tissue diagnosis. It is not always necessary if a resectable mass is demonstrated on abdominal CT scan. 
In terms of other diagnostic studies, the following serum lab studies may be useful. CA199, which is a tumor marker, lipase level, and AST, ALT, and alkaline phosphatase level. These may be elevated if the malignancy compresses the biliary system. In terms of a differential diagnosis, the two main differentials to keep in mind here are acute pancreatitis and gastric cancer. The differentiating factor for acute pancreatitis is that no pancreatic mass would be seen. And the differentiating factor for gastric cancer is the fact that a mass in the stomach would be seen. Next, let's discuss the treatment of pancreatic cancer. Treatment depends on the stage of the pancreatic cancer. Surgical treatment involves something called the Whipple's procedure and is indicated in resectable pancreatic cancer. And finally, in terms of complications of pancreatic cancer, the main complications include obstructive cholestasis, gastric outlet obstruction, diabetes, and migratory thrombophlebitis. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question, a 57-year-old man presents to the emergency department because he has been having abdominal pain for the past several months. Specifically, he complains of severe epigastric pain after eating that is sometimes accompanied by diarrhea. He has also lost 20 pounds over the same time period, which he attributes to the fact that the pain has been stopping him from wanting to eat. He does not recall any changes to his urine or stool. Physical exam reveals scleral icterus and a large non-tender gallbladder. Which of the following substances would most likely be elevated in the serum of this patient? 1. Alpha-fetoprotein 2. Bombesin 3. CA-199 4. CEA or 5. PTHRP And the correct answer choice is answer choice 3, CA199. This patient with postprandial epigastric pain, weight loss, scleral icterus, and a palpable non-tender gallbladder most likely has pancreatic adenocarcinoma, which can present with elevated CA199 levels. Remember, tumor markers are soluble proteins or other substances that can be detected in the serum of patients. Since these markers are often closely associated with the presence of specific cancers, they can be used in order to test for these conditions. For example, the CA199 protein is produced and released by oncogenic cells in pancreatic adenocarcinoma and is considered the laboratory gold standard for this disease. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1. Alpha-fetoprotein levels may be elevated in cases of hepatocellular carcinoma, however this disease would not have epigastric pain or a large non-tender gallbladder. Answer choice 2. Bombesin levels may be elevated in cases of gastric cancer, however this disease would not present with scleral icterus or a large non-tender gallbladder. Answer choice 4. CEA, or carcinoembryonic antigen, can be elevated in cases of cholangiocarcinoma, however this disease would present with dark urine and clay-colored stool. And finally, answer choice 5. PTHRP, or parathyroid hormone-related protein, can be produced by squamous cell carcinomas of the esophagus, however this disease would not present with scleral icterus or a large non-tender gallbladder. In summary, the tumor marker CA199 can be elevated in cases of pancreatic adenocarcinoma.
Next question. A 70-year-old male visits his primary care physician because of progressive weight loss. He has a 20-year history of smoking two packs of cigarettes a day and was diagnosed with diabetes mellitus six years ago. After physical examination, the physician tells the patient he suspects adenocarcinoma at the head of the pancreas. Which of the following physical examination findings would support the diagnosis? 1. Lymphadenopathy of the umbilicus. 2. Acanthosis nigricans. 3. Palpable gallbladder. 4. Renal artery bruise. Or 5. Splenomegaly. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 3, palpable gallbladder. A palpable enlarged non-tender gallbladder is known as Corvoisier's sign and is indicative of adenocarcinoma at the head of the pancreas. Remember, risk factors for pancreatic cancer include age greater than 50, smoking, diabetes mellitus, genetics and family history, and chronic pancreatitis. Other physical findings in adenocarcinoma at the head of the pancreas are weight loss and jaundice due to compression of the common bile duct by the cancerous lesion. Tumors at the tail and body of the pancreas often present with weight loss and mid-epigastric pain. Let's now review two citations related to this topic. In the first citation, Freelove et al. discussed the diagnosis of pancreatic cancer including symptoms and physical exam findings. Pancreatic cancer is the fourth leading cause of cancer deaths in the United States, and more than half of all cases have distant metastasis at diagnosis. Most cases are non-resectable. Cases that are resectable are treated with pancreatic oduodenectomy or the Whipple's procedure. In the second citation, Maringini et al. evaluated signs of pancreatic cancer in 80 afflicted patients among 940 controls. They found that the most sensitive criteria were ultrasonography at 83%, weight loss at 66%, and bilirubin level of greater than 3 mg per deciliter at 61%. The most specific were ultrasonography at 99%, recent onset diabetes at 97%, and a distended palpable gallbladder at 94%. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1 is incorrect because this describes the Sister Mary Joseph sign which is seen with gastric cancers. Answer choice 2 is incorrect because acanthosis nigricans is a poorly defined brown or black thickening of the skin. It is associated with adenocarcinomas of the GI tract and uterus or diabetes. Answer choice 4 is incorrect because renal artery bruise can be heard when renal artery stenosis is present. And finally, answer choice 5 is incorrect because splenomegaly is usually associated with increased splenic workload, such as in hemolytic anemia. And that's all for this review about pancreatic cancer. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.